Uh, but guys, but seriously, my favorite holiday is upon us. Finally, Thanksgiving is here. Is anyone excited about it? Anyone excited? I'm excited about it. What's on the menu? I hope I hope you guys are having uh, turkey, the arroz con gandules, the cranberry sauce, the stuffing, sweet potato, and all that good stuff. I hope you guys are going to have that all around your dinner table this Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is a special time of year because... Tables all across the U.S. are going to be filled with food and surrounded by friends and family. And around those tables, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be conversations. There's going to be laughter. There's going to be memories. Hopefully not as much gas, right? But you guys are going to like be making memories together and spending time uh, together around the dinner table. And there's something special. There's something about being around a table and sharing a meal that does something to warm your heart. Isn't that right? It's just something about it that it does something to warm your heart. And in fact, this is something that we read that the early church did quite frequently, quite often. They, they would share meals with one another. They would spend time with one another. And they would practice hospitality. And it was important for the early church. They wanted to spend time with each other. They wanted to practice hospitality and be generous and have people over for dinner and, and break bread and eat together. It was important. Why? If you're taking notes, a big idea for today is this, is that relationships are strengthened and God is glorified around the dinner table. Relationships are strengthened and God is glorified around the dinner table. Now, dinner table can be interchangeable. Don't get caught up on, on dinner table. That could be interchange around, you know, coffee or lunch or, you know, any time of day. It doesn't have to be dinner time and the dinner table. But it, breaking bread and spending time with others, relationships are strengthened and God is glorified around the dinner table. We've been in the middle of our series called No Place Like Homes, the series that we've been in, and we've been examining the early church. We've been looking at the early church, and we've been really trying to learn and trying to see what it looks like for them. What does it look like for them to express church and what it looks like? What does family look like? What does home look like for the early church, right? We wanted to examine um, kind of what is the church, what does it look like? What does it resemble? What should we aspire to? And I think when we look at the early church, it really gives us the best example of that. You know, so much of our church, uh, so much of church, period, in our modernized and westernized perspective is boiled down to a service that we attend on a Sunday. Or so much of what we think about modernized, westernized, you know, a perspective on church is that it's a brick and mortar building, right? It's a steeple, it's pews, it's, uh, those are the type of things that we consider to be church. But what we're learning through this series is that church is so much more, isn't that right? Church is so much more than a steeple, so much more than pews. It's so much more than an event. Church isn't a building. It isn't an event. It's a people. Guys, Jesus didn't live a perfect and sinless life and, and die a wretched death on a cross and, and rise from the grave to conquer Satan, sin, and death for a building. He didn't, he didn't do all that for a building. No, he did that for you. He did that for us. He did that for a people. He did that for the church not just for a building. And we're reading Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. We've been stuck in these several verses for the past few weeks, and we still got a couple more weeks to go. And as we've mentioned several times throughout the series, what we're reading as we examine these verses is the direct result of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the early church and their devotion to Jesus and one another. In other words, the Holy Spirit is poured out, right, on these early church, on these early on these believers, these these Christians, these people that put their follow their faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them, and what they do immediately is this. They break bread, they spend time with one another, they show hospitality. So a direct result of the Holy Spirit being poured out on them is this very thing. 
And reading these verses really gives us the best picture of what we aspire to be as a church, right? This is what the church should look like. And by God's grace, we'll get there. And for the rest of our time, we want to look at two verses. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. And we want to learn how the church can be a place to eat. How can the church be a place to eat and the ramifications of that sort of commitment? Can you even talk about that? Can you even eat in church? I grew up, I don't know about you guys, I grew up in a church where like you couldn't eat, you couldn't drink a cup of coffee, if, uh, if you were choking, you couldn't drink a cup of water, like it was that strict, you know, like you couldn't have anything in church. And of course, now you guys come here and uh, we got bagels in the back, there's coffee back there and, and Stephen just finished saying you can go over there whenever you want and grab it. So how do we, how do we jump into that? Where does that come from? And so we want to look at what the early church did. Excuse me, I drink a... My, as you guys can tell, I lost my voice a little bit. I've been struggling a little bit with a cold. But if you guys bear with me, we'll get through this together. Amen. Here's what the early church did. Number one, if you're taking notes. They had a commitment to rows and circles. They had a commitment to rows and circles. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says this. Every day they devoted to meeting together where? In the where? In the temple. temple. And then they broke bread where? From? House to, house to house, all right? So they devoted to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. <coughs> we see that the early church had a commitment to both rows and circles. They had both, and here's what I mean. You're talking like, Danny, what are you talking about? Rows, meaning the large group gathering, right? Typically, when you come to church, like right now, you guys are sitting in rows, right? You're not sitting in circles. So there was a commitment to that, to the large group gathering, getting together and sitting in rows. Uh, and then they were also committed to circles, which means the, the smaller group gatherings in one another's homes. Think about in your living room. Typically, probably, your living room is probably not set up in rows, right? You probably don't have two rows of sofas to sit on. You probably have it angled out or across. Everybody kind of faces each other. Right? So there was a commitment to both things in the early church, both to rows and to circles. Both things were important to the early church. They would meet in the temple. And this is kind of like what we do here on a Sunday. We get together and we corporately worship and we sit under the teaching of God's word. And yes, guess what? We even eat. We eat together. But they didn't stop at that. They also met in smaller group settings, literally breaking bread from home to home. And this is kind of like what we do here, our life groups. We just finished having our fall semester of life groups. And that's what we did. We went from home to home. We broke bread. We ate together. We encouraged each other. We prayed for one another. And we had a discussion around God's word. It's similar to that. It's kind of what the early disciples did, what the early church did. You know, but it also includes the time that we're relationally connecting with each other in coffee shops or restaurants or over lunch or dinner. Whenever you get together with a brother or sister in Christ or two or three of you get together and you eat lunch together, that's that fellowship. That's that koinonia we talked about. That's that breaking bread, getting together. And the early church was committed to both roads and circles. They were committed to both the large group gathering and the small group gathering. And listen, Jesus was as well. Jesus was committed to both things. Did you know that? You know, Jesus would constantly be invited to others' homes. He was always being invited to some dinner party or, or to have lunch with somebody. And oftentimes, guess what? It, it would be these dinner parties and there would be food involved. There was food. Whenever Jesus was invited to someone's house, there was always food involved. And in fact, apparently, Jesus was pretty fun to be around because he was always invited to these things. 
So he wasn't this boring guy. You wouldn't hear about the religious elite and the religious scholars and the leaders. They weren't invited. Nobody wants those guys in your house, right? These very boring guys. But for some reason, Jesus was always invited to these parties. He was always there. And it was the common, ordinary folk that would have him over. You know, the, the sinful people, that the religious leaders would call these sinful people. Why? They want to hang out with Jesus. And in fact, he did so, so much that they accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. That's how much Jesus was invite, invited to these things. You know, that's how much he attended these things. He spent time with the least and the lost. Look at Matthew 28, verse 19. Look at what it says. It says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is what Jesus was accused of. He was accused of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was accused of eating and drinking too much, calling him a, a, a drunkard and a glutton. That's how much he was invited. This is how so important it was for Jesus to do life with others and to spend time with, with other people. Jesus would spend both time in the temple and corporate worship, but he would also spend time in a lot of circles. He would spend time in, with, with several people. In other words, home to home, breaking bread, doing life with others, Building and strengthening relationships. Both things were important to Jesus. What about for you? What about for you? Are you committed to both rows and circles? Are both things important to you? Are you committed to relationship? Are you committed to knowing and being known? You know, a lot of times, uh, and if we're just be honest with yourselves, guys, you know, be honest, a lot of times it's easier to be committed to one over the other, right? And a lot of times, you know, we have the, the big open door of the Sunday gathering, and it's so easy to get lost in the crowd on a Sunday morning, right? You can come in, you can remain very anonymous, right? You can come in, if you don't want anybody to know your name or anything, don't fill out a connection card, sit down, don't talk to nobody, just look at the front, just like look at the screen, don't even look at the speaker, and, 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 get, and be ignored. It's very easy to do that. It's so easy to get lost in the crowd. But in a smaller group setting, not so much, right? It's really within that context that you really begin to experience growth. And as you're held accountable by other followers of Jesus, you can really grow spiritually and you can be held accountable. Both things are important. Jesus dedicated himself to both things. The early church dedicated themselves to the both things. There was a commitment to rows and a commitment to circles. What about for you? Are you committed to both rows and circles? Are you committed to relationship? It's very, very important. Here's the second thing. This is super important. Uh, if you guys remember anything, I want you to remember this point right here. So I want you to write it down in bold letters, circle it, put an asterisk right here. Number two, you guys are ready? Church is fun. Church is fun. Look at what Acts chapter 2 verse 46 says. It says they ate their food with much depression. Is that what it says there? They ate their food with much sadness. It doesn't say that either, does it? Well, what, let's, well, what does it say? They ate their food with what? With joyful and sincere hearts. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. I want you guys to picture this. I want you guys to envision everyone sitting around a dinner table. And they're laughing and they're joking and they're, and they're, and they're smacking each other around and they're just throwing jokes. And it's just plain old joyful. It was a fun environment for the early church. They wanted to be together. They wanted to laugh. It was kind of like a party, right? I mean, nobody wants to go to a party where it's like, you know, there's nothing going on. There's no music and everybody's just quiet staring at the walls. You want to go to a party where something's happening, right? It wasn't this formal, boring, stick-in-the-mud kind of experience. 
It was fun. They ate their food joyfully. Joyfully. You know, and sometimes I think, I feel like we take ourselves way too seriously sometimes, right? We take ourselves way too seriously. We want to be so formal and ritualistic about everything, right? Like, you know, we, we just don't have any fun. But that sounds boring to me. I don't want to be a part of a church like that. I don't want, I don't want to be a, a church that's boring. I want to be a church that's fun and that we break bread together and we laugh and we make jokes and we take each other, you know, just tell each other jokes and have a good time. You know, I, I think that's what it was. It would have been boring for the early church too if that's what it was, right? But instead, the, the text describes them eating their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Is that boring? Hardly. Is that formal? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I don't think men and women in tuxedos and dresses sipping tea with their pinky in the ear, in the air, and well, how are you today, sir? How are you? You know, I don't think that. This wasn't the Queen of England's tea party. That's not what it was. This was like just a, a, a group of friends having a good time together and, and throwing jokes. And I think church should be fun. I, you know, maybe you want to argue me, argue with me on this point later, but I really do believe that you should want to come to church. You should want, you should have a desire to be here. There should be a desire and a longing to get together, guys. That's why we do certain things like intentionally. This is why our services are an hour. You know why? Because we want you longing for more, not wishing it was done, right? At the end of at the end of an hour, I want you to be like, man, that's it. I can't believe it's done. You know, so you can come back next week. I don't want you to be here like, oh man, we're five hours in. When is this thing going to finish? You know, I don't want you thinking that. That's boring to me. That's why I don't want it that way. There's people that are far from God that don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't want to come to church and spend half their Sunday in church. They don't, they're far from God. They want to go drink or smoke a blind or go do something. They don't want to stay in church. So we want to provide an opportunity for them to come and be like, wow, this is interesting. This is fun. I want to be a, a part of this. I want to see. I want more. So we want to create that desire. I believe church should be fun. Oh, but Danny, God and religion and church is a serious matter, Danny. You shouldn't joke around. You shouldn't laugh. Heaven forbid, you shouldn't eat in church. And you definitely shouldn't show the nutty professor in church, Danny, because that's, you crossed the line there. You crossed the line there. By the way, guys, I added out all the curses. You don't understand. There was a lot of cursing in that scene. And I'm like, I'm like tapping my face. I hope I didn't miss one. Please, God. I added all that out for you guys, okay? I thought it was funnier with that in, but I took it out for you. All right. So, you know, you know, man, you know, you should take it more seriously, Danny. Listen, take God seriously. Take your time in scripture seriously. Take your walk with Christ very seriously. But yourself, not so much. Don't take yourself so seriously. OK, but take your walk with God. Take it. Take your scripture and take all that seriously. But yourself lighten up a little bit, people. Come on. Right? Imagine if churches all over the world experience this vibrancy in life and joy can you guys imagine if churches all over, maybe it would be more attractive to the world, right? Maybe people would look in and they would say, man, I want some of that action. I want to be there. You know, then instead of being like, no, I'd rather get my teeth pulled at the dentist than go to church, right? People might even want to come to church. You know, I've spoken to many people that have said that they didn't want to go to church because it was boring and that the, the services dragged and that the sermons were long and, and they were irrelevant. Danny, the, the Bible verse had nothing to do with it. The preaching had nothing to do with me. There was no application. There was no tra life transformation. There was no joy and no encouragement. You know, we, don't want, we don't want that to happen here. Why would someone far from God want to experience that? Why would someone far from God want to experience that? 
But instead here, they, they ate their, their food with joy. After a long, rough week, a person far from God, they don't want to go to church and experience that. They'd rather go to a bar, because at least there, after a couple of drinks, they're smiling, right? But in church, like, why would I want to do that? I'd rather go to the dentist. No way. This is so boring. All right? They don't want to experience that. But that wasn't the case for the disciples. It wasn't the case in the early church. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. And the amazing thing is, guys, don't miss this. Okay, maybe you're thinking, yeah, then it was easy for them to be happy. Uh -uh. No, 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 don't, don't miss this right here. This is the amazing thing. They were joyful despite being in the middle of a hostile environment. The early church was being openly persecuted and publicly, for, for publicly declaring their faith in Jesus. They were being persecuted. I'm talking getting thrown in jail. I'm talking about getting flogged. I'm talking about getting bullied and mocked. Yet how did they respond? With joy. They responded with joy. The hostile environment around them did not dictate their level of joy. They were overwhelmed and overjoyed in the amazing grace poured out by Christ on the cross to pay for the forgiveness of their sin. So the question to ask yourself, is church fun for you? Why not? Is there anything in your heart that's keeping you from experiencing the joy of the Lord at church? Ask yourself that question. Look at what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 122, verse 1. He said, I cried when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I threw a tantrum when they said, let us go. I said, oh no, God, please, anything but that, when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's not what he said, in case you're missing it. Let's read this verse out loud together. Look at what it says. Ready? Go. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why don't you guys just circle that part right there, first part of the verse. I rejoice. I rejoice. I rejoice. Can you say the same thing? I rejoice when they invited me to church this morning. I rejoice when I attended a life group or when I met with my brother or sister in Christ over lunch or coffee. Swerve, is this true for us? If not, what can we do to make it so? And if it is, what can we do to make it better? What can we do to make it better? Guys, church is fun. Here's the third thing. Here's the third and last thing that we're going to look at this morning. Number three is this, that love is contagious. Love is contagious. Look at what Acts chapter 2 verse 47 says. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God, and read this last part with me. Ready? Go. And enjoying the favor of all the people. Why don't you guys circle, uh, underline that part right there? Enjoying the favor of all the people. This is even more amazing. Not only is the early church having a great time enjoying meals together and exchanging lives, they're having a great time together. But as people walk by, as people peek in through the window or through the door, they think to themselves, what is going on in that house? What is going on there? They're having so much fun. and It's so lively. There's so many people. What's going on over there? Oh, that looks so cool. I want to be a part of that. They enjoy the favor of all the people. People are like, wow, what is going on here? I want to be a part of what's going, what's going on. You know, I had a meeting with our life group leaders a couple weeks ago. Uh, oh, by the way, can we give it up for our life group leaders who did an amazing job this fall semester? <clears throat> I had a meeting uh, with our life group leaders a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were just talking about kind of how, what went well with life groups and what could have been done any better and such. And, and so, you know, one, I think, I'm not going to uh, reveal any names to not throw, uh, to, to not uh, put anybody on blast, but somebody told me at the tail end of the meeting, uh, that one of the neighbors knocked on the door towards the end of the meeting. 
saying, has somebody come, you know, they said, they knocked on the door, and they're like, hey, what, what you know, I, I notice you got people in your house every week, what is going on here, what, what is up, I see you guys are like having a good time, it looks so fun, it looks so cool, can I want to be, can I come to the next one, isn't that amazing, isn't that amazing, and that's what it was, it was like for like that for the early church, they were like, man, what is going on, I don't understand this Jesus stuff, this Bible stuff, I don't get it, but man, it looks like you guys are having a good, it looks like you guys want to throw a good party, you know, I want to be a part of that, they were enjoying the favor of all the people, because the love and joy they shared amongst each other was contagious, people would look in, and they would see love in action, and they, say, they would say to themselves, how can I get some of that action, how can I get in on that? You know, I mentioned during week one that intrinsically wired into each one of us is a desire for relationship. We all have a desire to know and be known. Now listen, I don't care if you label yourself introverted or if you label yourself extroverted. I really don't care. It doesn't really matter because God has placed that desire within you for relationship. And when you, when others see love and when others see compassion and when they see mercy and forgiveness and when they see joy in action, it's attractive. It's attractive. Because on some level, we all desire that and we need it. Listen, you turn on the news every day. You scroll through Facebook every day. What do you see? There's bad news. There's negativity all over the world. This is what you see all the time. You see negativity. It's a world dominated by sin and a lack of love. But guys, amidst that, how much brighter does the light of Christ shine among that darkness? How much brighter does that love and joy shine in and through us when we practice things like hospitality and generosity? For the early church, it was attractive to everyone on the outside looking in. And they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Is this the type of love you experience at church? Is this the type of love that you receive? Here's a question for you. Is it the type of love that you give? Guys, I want to swerve to radiate love. I want to radiate love. After all, we worship a God who is madly in love with us. So much so that in our sinful condition, He decides to enter His creation in order to put an end to our sin problem. The Bible says that God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son to pay the ultimate penalty. He died in our place for our sin. Why? So that we could be forgiven of our sin. And so that our relationship and connection to God could be restored. He did it for love for you and for me. And then Christ rose from the dead proving that death could not hold him down. And that he is greater than death. And his love is so great that not only do we receive the forgiveness of sin. But we also receive newness of life in Christ. In Christ we have a life and life abundantly so that we can experience joy and gladness. That's why we experience it. So we can experience that love of God. We can experience Christ's love. That's why he's, he says we can have life and life in abundance. Not so that he didn't die to make you boring and to make boring church meetings. He did it so that you can experience life and life in abundance. Guys, love is contagious. And I pray that Swerve would have that attractive quality about us. <coughs> Look at what Jesus said. John chapter 13, verse 35. You have it there on your notes, and it's also on the screen. Why don't we read this verse out loud together? Ready, go. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are mine. Your love for one another, your love for one another, your love for one another will prove to the world 
that you are my disciples. It's not how many debates you can win. It's not how many arguments you can win. This, this simple thing, how you love one another, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, if you're here today, and you've yet to take that step of faith to put your trust in Jesus, then I just want to say, I'm so glad you're here. I really, really am. I'm so glad you, you worked up the courage to join us today. You are welcome here, right where you are. And I pray that you feel loved and you, and you feel welcome. I pray so. But if you do feel welcome, I just want you to know that it's because we've been welcomed by God through Christ into his arms. If you feel loved at all today, it's because we've been loved by God and through Jesus' redeeming work on the cross for our sin. And I just want you to know that. And if you're here today, I want to give you an opportunity to experience the same thing that we have, the love of Jesus, of His dying on the cross for our sin, the atonement for our sin, then conquering Satan, sin, and death, rising from the grave so that we can experience newness of life in Him. The Bible says that whoever puts their faith in Him will experience life and the forgiveness of sin. And if that's you here today and you haven't made that decision, I want to encourage you to do so today. In fact, if everybody would take out their connection cards when you came in, you should have received a connection card. Here's your chance to kind of finish filling it out if you haven't uh, filled it out. Turn it over to the back, and I want you guys to notice that there's next steps for everybody here today. For you, it might be back, getting baptized if you made a decision to follow Christ and you haven't done that yet. It might be joining us next Sunday. And if you have any prayer requests, please write that in there because we love praying for you guys during the week. But if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, then this is your way to let us know. Because ultimately the decision is between you and God. And if God is, is talking to you and He's calling you home and He's convicted you of your sin and he, He's shown you that you need Him, then make that decision between you and God. And then you can let us know by checking that off. And then during the week, we'll follow up with you. We want to resource you. We want to celebrate with you. That's, a, that's the most awesome decision that you can make ever in your life. And so that's you. Go check that off. And make that decision to follow Christ. I want to encourage you to do so. For the rest of us, I want us to remember, man, that the church had a commitment to both rows and circles. It wasn't either or. Guys, church can be fun. Church is fun. It should be a fun thing for us to experience as we break bread and, and have jokes. And lastly, guys, our love is contagious. By this, people will know that we are His disciples by how we love one another. Would you guys join me in prayer? Lord, I pray that as a church, that we would have the commitment to both rows and circles. That we will be committed to the corporate gathering, corporate prayer and worship, but that we would also intentionally seek our community and relationship outside of the Sunday experience. Lord, I pray that we would experience the same love and the same joy that the early church experienced. I pray that our times together would truly be fun. I pray, God, that every time we gather around a meal or around a table, that it would bring you glory and us joy. Lord, I pray that our love would be contagious. I pray that it would be attractive to everyone looking in and that we would have open arms to welcome others into our family and to extend to them the same mercy, the same love, the same grace that you extend to us. In Jesus' name, amen.